Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio with the man who's always ready for a conversation anywhere, anytime, Matt Hines. Anywhere, anytime. Sales Pipeline Radio on demand. Happy New Year, Paul. How are we doing? Happy New Year to you. Is it really 2021? Did we make it? I think it's December 39th. I think it, <laughs> it might still be 2020. It feels kind of like a carryover. I'm not sure I'm really in the new year. Uh, you know, have we turned the page yet? Or are we still... Uh, you know, we're still not quite there. Everything. I'm listening know. to the news well, before you know this. The, <laughs> the clock keeps ticking. The pipeline still needs feeding. Quotas yeah. need carrying. So uh, now I think it's we're into Q1. We're into January. We're into 2021. And I hope everyone listening had a great holiday. We're able to take some time to decompress and relax. And uh, Paul, hopefully you got a little chance to relax at the beach. Hopefully wasn't too much beach drizzle over the holidays. No, no. But my football teams, oh boy, don't even go there. Everything fizzled this year. I wasn't going to bring it up, but, you know, we can talk about the Vikings if you want. We can talk about Michigan, right? Yeah. Now, let's not do it. Well, I got, we got a great guest today, so we're going to get started. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on the first episode for 2021 of Sales Pipeline Radio. If you're listening to us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thanks so much for joining us. If you found us on the podcast, thanks so much for subscribing, for listening. And if you like what you hear today, you might like what we've said in the past. We've got over five years of episodes on demand up at salespipelineradio.com. We are featuring in this series some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing today. Absolutely no different. Very excited to have with us today the host of the really well done MarTech podcast. Great guy, long-term B2B sales and marketing guy, Ben Shapiro. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. Matt, what a pleasure. Happy New Year. We got five good days in there before the shit hit the fan. (laughs) I mean, that's what is what conversion rate is that? That's not, that's not bad. Not, you know, you know, if you if you if that was your batting average in baseball, you'd be the best of all time. Uh, you'd be wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. We're going to talk mostly about B two B sales and marketing, maybe a little about Strum School because I got to hear the story behind this as well. Oh um, man, the Wayback Machine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look, I mean, things stand out, and we used to talk about okay, he's run marketing at a number of startups, he's run business development at eBay. We can talk about the MarTech side. You know, I want to talk a little bit about brand and demand uh, and the balance between those as well. But maybe just first, just introduce yourself to people that don't know you yet. Yeah. First and foremost, there are multiple Ben Shapiros in the world, and I am not the political podcaster. I'm the guy that does the <laughs> marketing show. So for anybody that's in the United States thinking about politics today, I know that there's lots of people. I'm the other guy. And, you know, my background is in marketing. Uh, I've had a couple sales roles that were interesting. And I've kind of been doing the solopreneur thing for a little over five years. I left my last startup job and decided to create an independent consulting practice, helping early and growth stage companies figure out their brand strategies, their marketing strategies. And somehow that dovetailed into me creating a a media business called the MarTech Podcast and also the Voices of Search Podcast. So kind of was selling my wares to early and growth stage companies and was trying to reach new ones. And out came this media property, which basically did well enough that it ate the consulting business's lunch. And now that's all I do. I'm just a talking head. Being a talking head is not a bad thing to do. You definitely have, I know this is an audio only podcast at this point, but that is some kind of microphone there. Your audio sounds great. What kind of equipment do you have there? You know, this is a Yeti blue microphone. It's just a USB microphone. Truthfully, the stand uh, costs more than the mic. So, uh, you know, you, you bring it up real nice. It, it looks fancy, but it's nothing too technical. Well, we're between microphones here in uh, Sales Pipeline Radio World Headquarters. The main reason that you're not seeing me is I'm literally holding 
my webcam so that I can get close <laughs> enough to get decent enough audio. You don't need to see the inside of my nose uh, as we do this, but you know, you've been out on your own for five years and I started Heinz Marketing 12, a little over 12 years ago and can certainly relate to sort of the serendipitous nature sometimes of those journeys. I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, talk about sort of where it started and where it's come and what have been some of the decision points and pivot points that have gotten you here. Yeah, I guess the, you know, the the fun part of the story starts with heartbreak. I was working at this startup that I, I really tried hard to, you know, get this role. VC-backed startup, early stage company. It was kind of the Uber for X age. It was dry cleaning and laundry delivery. I was really excited to be running the marketing department. And for one reason or another, it just wasn't working out. The relationship was kind of souring. And so I basically relaunched my personal website to be an online resume to take on some short-term projects while I was figuring out what I wanted to do with my life and my career. And it was really a time of transition for me personally. And what I didn't realize that as I was basically trying to explain why I was no longer at my last startup, I had started my personal brand and did a lot of things by accident that ended up working out okay. Some of the copy and the way that I was describing myself essentially dovetailed into here's what I can do for your organization. And people started hiring me as a marketing consultant. And most of them were, if not all of them, were from my personal network, people I had already known and already worked with. And so I started to build some processes around pipeline development, my sales processes, and really productizing what I could do as a marketing consultant. And after about two and a half years, three years, I'd kind of hit the end of the road. I'd hit a ceiling. I was at a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue per year, just as a a guy out on my own working as a consultant. And I felt like there was an opportunity for expansion. And so I decided that what I was going to do was create a media property or a content strategy to try to build the influence of my consulting practice. And since I was working with early and growth stage companies that primarily were technology companies, and a lot of them was working advising other marketers, I created the MarTech podcast. And lo and behold, I didn't kind of realize what I was doing at the time, sort of another serendipitous right person, right place, right time thing. But the podcast took off like I wouldn't have expected. And after the end of the first year, we were sitting looking at 10,000 downloads a month and we started selling sponsorship packages and we had $25,000 of revenue in our first month. And, you know, the rest is history. Speaking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with accidental media mogul Ben Shapiro. It's a fascinating story of sort of going from being a consultant to now sort of, I mean, sort of now sort of really sort of making your living with the media properties. And I think one thing that that just reminds me, and I think it's a lesson for any marketer in any organization is the power of creating your media channel that you created something to market your business that became your business. What, what are some lessons that you have? If you're, t- if you're talking to, you know, a MarTech company or copying to really any company that wants to, that wants to engage an audience, it seems like there's a blueprint and a lesson there. Yeah. I think that A couple of lessons that I learned, I feel like I was inherently a good communicator over audio, which you can make your, you know, face for audio or face for radio joke here. But I just felt like my core strength as a consultant, as a person was getting to know people, building relationships, having conversations, and sort of distilling those conversations down to the fundamental truths. 
And so that's what I was doing as a marketing consultant. I would go and I would interview everybody in the organization or their customers and try to basically figure out what they meant when they were talking about their products or services. And so that skill inherently made me at least a decent, if not a good podcaster. And so relying on the things that you just do inherently well, is going to drive you to be more successful. If you're a great performance marketer, you're great with the numbers, go do things that are related to the numbers. If you are an entertainer, go be in a place where you're going to benefit from those skills, whatever they are. And so really understanding who you are as a person was kind of lesson number one. I think the other big lesson for me, A, that the sales pipeline process actually didn't really change much between finding consulting clients and finding podcast sponsors. You know, what I was selling was different, but my process for doing the outreach, some of the email marketing that I was doing, that was all the same systems and they kind of integrated into each other very well. So, you know, growing your pipeline is kind of the same process, no matter what your business is, whether you're selling professional services or whether you're selling podcast sponsorships. And, you know, that was the other really big learning for me. And I guess the last thing I would say is, you know, when you're creating a content business, the more content, the more shots you have at the rim, the better success you're going to have. We're high volume producers and that's what really works for us. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's a good lesson too, is that I think a lot of companies spend a lot of time trying to get the perfect podcast out or the perfect episode or the perfect blog post. And, you know, there's, there's some are going to be better than others. And it's really sometimes hard to determine that up front, but having a broader body of work that people have access to both for, I think the, your, your audience, as well as your sponsors to give them more access and more impressions, probably that both becomes a win-win. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about sort of this, you and your consulting practice, and I know on the MarTech podcast as well, talk about sort of the, the balance between brand and demand. And, and I, I think that our circles continue to work with demand marketers who are thinking about pipeline, who are thinking about conversion, who are proudly math marketers. They don't think a lot about the brand side. And I think that you, when you look at some of the most, most healthy growth stage companies that are not just gen, focused on logos, but focused on profitable logos, it's in part because they have invested in building a brand behind that as well. What's your perspective on that? And does it change based on the stage of the business? Yes, it does. Brand builds demand. And so you get really early stage companies that are trying to figure out product market fit. They need to invest in the demand driving activities just because they need to find a signal to figure out if their business works. As your company matures and you're starting to get into the scale phase, you don't just want to spend to drive revenue. You need to start building assets that become more valuable over time, things that start becoming more profitable over time. And that's why you see companies that get into the growth stage start investing in things like brand and content marketing, something you can put a dollar in today that'll be worth $100 at the end of the year, as opposed to more of the transactional type of marketing that you get with your performance marketing, your demand generation, your sales outreach. So absolutely, the marketing mix changes over time and what you know successful businesses find. You look at the biggest companies in the world, the Apple's the Cokes of the world, they focus primarily on brand marketing because that inevitably drives your demand that you have to work your way up to that point. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be back with more with our guest, Ben Shapiro. We're going to talk more about the MarTech side of things. Definitely going to ask some questions about Strum School. We'll be back on Sales Pipeline Radio. How do you continue to drive predictable revenue in an increasingly unpredictable time? 
creating a revenue growth engine is no small task, nor is it one that can be done overnight. And these days it can feel harder than ever to hit your stride. So how can you overcome the obstacles? Read the new research report on the state of predictable revenue growth from Sixth Sense and Heinz Marketing. Get it now at hub.sixcents.com slash PRG. That's hub.sixcense.com slash PRG. Okay, back to... Uh Matt and his guests. And can I ask one quick question? And we have a successful podcast here. I got to ask some questions. Please go for it. What do you think the future of podcasting is? Is it a truly new medium that as, as I always say, is long form storytelling, or is it just another way to get some little snippets and content up on your site here? Is it a new way to tell stories? Is it, is it a more in-depth way? Yeah. To the yeah, guest. Yeah. yeah. That's for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's both. I think that in the same way, it's like saying, what's the future of blogs 10, 15 years ago? Well, there's some short form content. There's some long form content. You know, maybe it dovetails into something like Twitter became essentially a short form blog or that was the original intent for it. But I think that, you know, what we're seeing is the transfer from terrestrial radio into on-demand audio. And so there's going to be a world where long-form content and audiobooks are incredibly valuable. And there's going to be a world where people just want their news updates and their Alexa news as well. So I think that kind of at the early stages and it, there's going to be short-form and long-form content being valuable. Do you think it'll ever be all on-demand or will it be live streaming? Because obviously the social media platforms, YouTube and LinkedIn and all these others are, are pushing that immediacy, the urgency of now. That's what we do here on this channel. Obviously, we, we take a podcast and we stream it live to start with here. Yeah, I think that it will be both. I think the question is, you know, what do you consider a podcast and what is just content publishing? There's a, a time and a place for live audio and there's a time and a place for on demand in the same way that there is for television where, you know, or I guess sports is a good metaphor for this. Sometimes I want to listen to the radio, but it's live because I'm listening to a game. And sometimes I want to hear the recap after the fact. And I think both of those use cases will still exist moving forward. What do you think, Matt? Or do you, you do both? Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think Ben's right. I think that the, we have these terms we use like podcast and blog and video, and we tend to sort of put them in individual like say, Oh, I've got a video strategy, a blog strategy. I mean, you may, ha I think our content strategies need to be far more diversified and really then sort of very focused on who your audience is, right? If you're going after sort of a late stage boomer audience, you probably aren't worried as much about your TikTok strategy, at least not yet. <laughs> right. And so to really sort of know who are you targeting, and what type of content formats do they care about? And then how do you package those content formats to make it something that's interesting? I don't know. We could have a whole, whole other show on that for sure. But honestly, Paul, social media is blowing up. I have to ask the question now. Strum school, Ben. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it just sticks out like a sore thumb and sore thumb makes it sound bad. But like, I'm just, I love to hear the backstory and just tell us about strum school. So I was working at eBay. I had a great job stability. You know, I was on a nice career path doing business development, uh, account management, and felt like I was in a really good company. But all the cool kids were leaving the mothership to go work for hot startups to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. And I just could not get the job I wanted. I, I was really trying to be the head of marketing at an early stage startup. And I just didn't have enough 
get your hands dirty, get it started, figure it out experience. So people looked at my resume and said, he's a big company guy. He's a business development person and one of the biggest you know, e-commerce companies in the world. It's the only way for me to bridge the gap from business development at eBay, a 13,000 person company to I'm going to run your marketing department and be one of the first you know, five or 10 guys in the door was to jump off the cliff and start doing it myself. And so Strum School started off as a side project. It was on-demand guitar lessons before on-demand was really a thing. And I turned it from this project I was working on nights and weekends to uh, a, a very poorly run startup that did not see the light of day uh, or did not drive a lot of revenue, let's just say. And eventually, uh, you know, I was working on it for about a year and a half as my full-time job converted into on-demand video instead of guitar lessons. But my girlfriend at the time said she was ready for a promotion to fiance, but I needed to go get a steady paycheck to pay for the ring. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I was working for the man again. All the things we do for love. Well, I'll tell you what, like if, if you get a chance and we'll put this in the show notes, go to benjshap.com. If nothing else, I think the logo is amazing. It's a very cool. If, and if you're a music fan, you recognize the multiple layers of coolness in this logo. But uh, just a few more minutes here on Sales Pipeline Radio with our guest, Ben Shapiro, who is longtime B2B sales and marketing leader and the host of the MarTech podcast. And let's finish up, just kind of talk a little bit about the MarTech side of things. Certainly more and more tools, more and more complexity in a lot of MarTech stacks. I have started to notice more and more companies asking not to help build a smart tech stack, but to help to simplify their MarTech stacks. And they got a little too crazy, a little too complex. What are some of the trends you're seeing with companies that are, are either focusing on or where they're simplifying or where they're doubling down relative to their marketing and sales stack? Yeah, you know, I think that at early stages, you start with point solutions and you end up sort of accumulating a lot of different pieces of software. And as companies mature, they either migrate from the toolkit that they've built to a platform, right? You go from, I've got a CRM and an email marketing system and a database somewhere and you know, all these systems, you try to duct tape and glue them together and you move to HubSpot and you have your hub and you basically have to migrate all of your data or you start to move instead of going to a, a platform, there are, are starting to be hubs that are basically connectors of all of these solutions and you get CDPs to pull all your data together and sort of you basically work on platforms that help unify all of the complexity because you don't want to move away from this cobbled together stack. And so, you know, I think that there's two directions growth stage companies can go and it really depends on, you know, where you are, what your resources are, what your stack is going to be. And honestly, what the long-term future of the business is those integration opportunities seem to be more and more important, right? Because I think if you look at whether you're looking at, you know, how people look at revenue operations and the success, if you look at companies even doing account-based programs across sales and marketing, one of the common reasons why those programs stall or fail is not having an integrated data approach, not having sort of a single view of the customer. Is your recommendation for folks to sort of find those third-party integrators? Are many companies succeeding by having an integrated RevOps team internally? Like what's the right approach? You know, it's tough because there is a technology problem, right? Using the hubs and implementing and make all the connectors work together. And then there's a people problem. There's ongoing management, right? You're always going to make your stack 
not necessarily more complex, but your business operations are going to change. And so that historical context really matters. Having somebody in-house is really valuable if you can afford it. And if not, you know, finding some sort of a consultant or an agency that can continue to help you manage that is also a reasonable thing to consider. And I think that really depends on how much room you have in the budget. If you can afford a RevOps teams, great, go get them. More power to you if you have a long-term plan. And if you can't, documenting what you're doing and being able to package it up and handing it to an agency to help you solve some of the problems when something breaks, also something that's valuable. There are shades of gray. There are definitely stages that companies go through. Not everybody can afford a RevOps team. Yeah. What are some of the opportunities you see across sort of revenue producing groups in organizations? I mean, we talk about a lot of companies, quite frankly, still having trouble just getting their MarTech organized, but it seems like the marketing stack, the sales stack, what the company uses for account management, customer, customer success, and then tying that up into the business management tools. So you have that single view of your customer, but really sort of a single view of the business. Easier said than done, but is that where people should be working towards? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You know, and I think that we're seeing this in terms of marketers' titles at executives levels. We're seeing less CMOs and more CROs. And really that is connecting the functions of marketing into sales and having somebody go from prospecting, lead generation, all through revenue and sometimes customer success as well. And so the things that I'm seeing are data unification, trying to make sure that the data flows all the way from your awareness building activities through your customer's life cycle. And then also, you know, the teams and the technologies that are helping to manage those relationships. It's not just like there is a silo from marketing. You throw a lead over the wall and hope the sales team catches it and, you know, runs it wherever they need to bring it. It is really just one open playing field and we're all working together. And I think from an executive standpoint, we're seeing that happen. Technology, you know, that unification is happening as well. Yeah, love it. Real quick before we wrap up, what are some of the things you're looking forward to this year? What do you see as some of the sort of big trend lines and storylines for 2021? Yeah, you know, I'm excited about the podcast growth. Uh, you know, I think that that's the new media is something that's really important. I think working with influencers is a trend that we're going to continue to see. I think that the performance marketing budgets are going to come back. We're going to see Procter and Gamble and all the big boys start to, you know, get back onto Facebook and and spend their media dollars now that we're coming out of the initial shock of the coronavirus. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the economy and how that affects M&A. Are we going to see consolidation in some of the MarTech space? But, you know, those are some of the top things that are on my mind. Awesome. Ben Shapiro, thanks so much for doing this. If people want to check out the podcast, your MarTech podcast, what's the best place to go? Hey, you can go to martechpod.com. You can just search Martech in any of the podcast app stores. And Matt, I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, thank you so much. We will put those links into the show notes. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. We got some awesome guests coming up over the course of the next few weeks as we lean into 2021. But for today, on behalf of my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thank you for listening to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. And with that, we wrap up another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio channel for network listeners like you.